Welcome to Buzzed with Brian. I am your host, Brian. We're going to talk about beer, the history, and drinking. Hey there, beer fans. Happy Cinco de Mayo, and welcome to this week's episode. That's right, we have another Thirsty Thursday episode release coming in on a holiday. We were so lucky to have a Thirsty Thursday on St. Patrick's Day, and now we have Cinco de Mayo. Both are known to be a little bit of drinking holidays here in the U.S., so here I am doing my beer podcast. But before we get into it, today's episode is sponsored by Avocados. That's right, Avocados from Mexico. And actually, fun fact is that Mexico produces about 20 to 25% of the global avocado production. Today, we are going to be drinking a Mexican-style lager. That's right. We're going to tap into the history, which is a little bit poetic. You know, we're going to be moving from a king to an emperor in today's episode history, as well as drinking a beer from Eau Claire, Wisconsin's The Brewing Project. We are going to have the Mejor Vida. That's right. The best life from The Brewing Project. Now, on to the show. Okay, so the Mexican-styled lager. Traditionally, we do see these beers weighing in around 4.5, I mean, the low 4s, to even up to 6% ABV. The bitterness unit is going to be in the middle teens to kind of middle 20s, so going to be very light, going to be very refreshing, not going to be very bitter on the tongue. Overall, if you look at Mexican lagers and some of the packaging that you see, they can range in both appearance and flavor. Some things that you might see are the words clara, which means clear or bright, you know, something that you can see through. Um, The brand specifically that comes to mind is Pacifico's Lager, which is going to have some clara sometimes written on the label. The other variety then is the opposite end of the spectrum, right? So it's going to be something labeled as obscura or something of that nature, which means that, you know, it's, you can't quite see through it. It might be hazy. It's going to be a little darker in color. Uh, Modelo Negro, the amber hue that that beer has comes to mind with with that. The taste profile of the Mexican lager is heavily guided by the fact that it has a lot of flaked corn or maize added into the grain bill. You know, this means that the flaked corn has been moved through some hot rollers to remove the germ, the oil, and most of the protein from that structure. When you do that, you end up with a grain bill that's not going to create any haze, which is going to give that very clear appearance, as well as providing a lot of sweetness and a little bit of dryness on the end of the beer, which kind of accentuates the lager crisp finish of this style. Lastly here, Mexico has grown to be the largest beer exporter in the world. It has over $4 billion in sales annually just from the beer that they make there. So that's really impressive when you think about how large of a slice uh, that Mexico does have in the global beer market. But that wasn't always the case, and the Mexican lager has some more humble beginnings. So with that, let's move on to some history. To start out here, we have to recognize that the modern-day Mexico geographical landmark is a very large landmass and that there were people that had lived there long, long before any of the European conquest and settlement started in that area, and that the people that were originally from that area had been creating fermented beverages for centuries prior to that arrival. Mostly were corn, agave, honey, you know, among other things based in the fermentation process, but the first beer, or I guess 
what is known to be the first variety of beer that we think of in Mexico came from the Spanish conquest of Hernan Cortes. Uh, they brought over the ingredient of barley to the land, and this is when you first saw the replication of your styled beers in Mexico. However, the resources were really scarce and highly taxed upon, so the beer that was made was not very popular and didn't really get created in a large quantity. Moving on to the inception story of the beer style that we know of today, we have to first go back and give some recognition to a past episode that I did. So if you haven't listened to episode 009 when I went over the Vienna-styled lager, there is a lot of tie-ins to the creation of that beer that helped fuel the creation for the Mexican-styled lager. And that all began with the king of beers, which was Anton Dreyer. As you may recall, Anton in the mid-1800s was credited for creating this new Vienna-styled lager using his newly created Vienna malt, which is a near-caramelized malt, creating this beautiful amber-colored beer. This newly created beer style of Anton's is, you know, very well-timed in the history of events. As we see, we had Mexico winning its War of Independence, and it named an Austrian Archduke, Maximilian I, as its Emperor of Mexico, so... Here we have from the King of Beers to the Emperor of Mexico, and with that, the Austrian background that Maximilian had, he really enjoyed this new Vienna-styled lager that was being created back home in Austria, and brought that to Mexico, and the people there really, really enjoyed this style of beer, and it started to grow. However, Maximilian, in true Game of Thrones fashion, did not last very long, and he was executed only three years into his reign, so he did not live very long, but the beer did live on and it continued to adapt to the landscape of Mexico. So corn is king down there, and a lot of Mexican breweries decided to start incorporating corn into the grain bill of the Vienna-styled lager that's been brought to the country. Obviously, it was very abundant to do this, but it was also greatly reduced the cost of beer, so it was an economical decision for these breweries, but it helped create and forge this new style that was unique and separated from the Vienna-styled lager back in Europe. Lastly, we need to fast forward again into the 1900s and the now modern Mexican style lager is really starting to boom. This is exactly when the U.S. decided to go dry for 13 years during Prohibition and Mexican brewers were getting increasing demand for their product, especially amongst border towns and even beer that got smuggled up into the U.S. So beyond that, this eventually leads into our now large international owned conglomerates of the modern day Mexican style lager. So, you know, our Coronas, our Tecate, our Modelo, all of those beers come from our humble Austrian beginnings with this Vienna style lager moved to Mexico, made popular by an emperor and fueled by prohibition. So with that, that's what we have for our history today. Okay, so the beer we have today is coming from The Brewing Project, which was founded in May of 2013 in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Their mission was to create damn good beer, not beer that everyone will like, rather beer that many will love. Boring just isn't our style. And that's very true with many of their heavy adjunct beers. You may recall that you have actually seen one of their beers on the show already, Back in episode 6 with the brewery special from Hubbleton Brewery, Mike did bring on their What the French, which was a very dessert-orientated adjunct beer. 
So although they were founded in May of 2013, the history of the brewing project isn't the cleanest or the prettiest. They definitely had a lot of headaches along the way. They did not start pouring beers in their tap room nearly two years later until April of 2015. Um, they sort of went through a stalemate with the government in getting their application approved to open up their shop and start pouring beers. They saw their lease of the original building lapse in that time that they were trying to get approved. So for a brief stint, they were homeless. They scrambled to find a new place in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and it started the approval process all over again. So I can only imagine how frustrating that was. Obviously, it was moving very slow still, so they had to make quite a few phone calls to state officials and finally had their approval. Once they had that in place, they had to scramble then and put together a staff and people to, you know, put the beer in the patron's hand. So thankfully, they were able to make this all work, and thankfully, they kind of weathered the storm for nearly two years because they make some really exciting stuff, and they make some very, very tasty beers. Um, you definitely have to like a lot of the more, like I said, adjunct-heavy fruited beers, dessert beers, things that have a lot of fun things in them. I think they're very, very on brand when they say boring just isn't our style. I would not call any of their beers boring. Um, and they saw a lot of success in their first two years. So they started opening up in 2015 pouring beers, and they had to actually mo quickly move across the street to a larger facility and open that place up by 2017. So that's their now modern location um, as they've continued to grow here. In addition to the beer, they make a whole lineup of quote-unquote bomb seltzers with a variety of fruit, cocktail, and dessert-flavored beers. So with that, I'm starting to get a little thirstier. Let's get on to the beer for today. Okay, it is time at last. We have arrived to the beer drinking segment of the show. So as promised earlier, we do have the Mayhor Vita, so that's best life from the Brewing Project. This beer is weighing in at 6.2% and is sitting around 17 IBUs, so it should be fairly on the, you know, not so bitter side. This beer we're having today is in a 16-ounce traditional pounder. On the front of the can here, we have a luchador, a masked wrestler, and it looks like he has a beehive completely punched through in his one fist. And he's got a skull of what is maybe his opponent underneath his left foot. And in the background, there's lots of little bees going around and, and confetti. So I think the bees in the beehive are very appropriate because this Mexican-style lager, as it says in the can, is brewed with orange blossom and honey. So we'll see what kind of notes we pick up on that. But let's get on to this pour. Okay, so we're pouring this beer out here, and it is a very light, very light straw color. Um, it is pale as pale gets. It's very clear, easy to see through. I'm also picking up um, a decent amount of foam here. A very nice, even white head is accumulating on the top here, um, and it's definitely it's retaining itself quite nicely, so it's a fairly carbonated beer. On the aroma here, let's get a quick smell. Yeah, so I feel definitely the honey is coming forward here. I feel like the honey is dominating my nose right now. But on a deeper inhale in, I'm getting a, a, you know, a corn-based sweetness that really reminds me of a bowl of Frosted Flakes cereal. <laughs> so, you know, very oddly specific, but that's what I get. So let's get into the first sip here. Mmm. Okay. Oh, 
All right, so there is, a, there is some complexity here, which is what I was hoping for with some of the adjuncts it said had added on. So let's get one more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, oh, that's, actually, that's not bad when it kind of just sits on the tongue. I'll say the nose carries right through. It's, it's honey forward. I get a lot of that up front. Um, and then it quickly transitions into that orange um, that's coming from the orange blossom they have in this beer. And I think it almost is more of a fragrant orange color. It's not very acidic. Um, it's not very juicy. It's a very fragrant orange. But there's a strange bitterness that kind of appears in the mid palette. There's no mention of hops or certain hop varieties on the can itself. But I wonder if there's a little bit of bitterness coming from a hop addition. And the end is very dry and very sweet. I think that's the corn bill coming back through. And I think that's the honey coming back through, and it's 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 not bad at all on the on the end. As I work through this glass, it definitely has um, a strange syrup-like texture to the body, but overall, I would say it is a light to medium body for this beer. And and like I said, it has that dry finish. Overall, the balance. I mean, the beer carries some fairly muted flavors. Uh, drinkability, it's super easy to put down, and that could be a trouble because this is a 6.2% beer. And it certainly doesn't taste like it. So with that, let's get on to these ratings. Okay, zero to five. Time to rate the beer here. I will say this one, I, I had a change of heart. My first sip of the beer, I wasn't sure how much I liked it. I think some of that mid-palate bitterness was really throwing me off. However, as I finished the beer and got through the whole glass... The honey sweetness and that component of the beer really started to kind of catch up with me, and I really did genuinely enjoy it. So, with that being the case, I'm gonna give this beer a 375 out of 5. And that's a review. All right, beer fans, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Hope you really enjoyed the Mexican-style lager history that we shared today. And, of course, the beer we had on today for the Brewing Project. I really enjoyed it. If you're looking to find some of the Brewing Project beers out in the wild, they do have a decent distribution for all the beers they make. You can find their beer anywhere in the southeast region of Wisconsin, the central and northwest parts of Wisconsin as well. And they do tap into the Minnesota market. You can find it all along the eastern side there, including the Rochester, Stillwater, and Twin City areas. As always, I continue to appreciate all the support and love that you as an audience show me. Please continue to share it with friends and family, have a beer with them, sit down, listen to the style history, and enjoy that beer with each other. I think that's so neat and so great. If you can, check out the Instagram. I am continuing to be very active on there. Each week, I do make lots of relative posts to the content of each episode. And if you can give me a like, a follow, a subscribe, even write a review on your favorite listening platform here, that really helps show me a lot of love and continue to provide support for the podcast. If you have any ideas or want to see a specific beer on the show that gets reviewed, feel free to write in at buzzedwithbrian at gmail.com. With that, thanks again. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Can't wait to get back on the mic here soon and enjoy another beer. Cheers, beers. <laughs>